Welcome to the Consultants Council podcast, a place for consulting industry guidance and best practice advisory. Whether you're working to grow in your consulting career, you're managing and developing a consulting firm, you're working with consultants, or you're just interested in business and high performance advice, we've got recommendations and education for you. I'm Kelsey Kruvling, founder and CEO of Kelsey Consulting, a firm focused on building high-performing organizations, teams, and individuals through a variety of ventures, including the Consultants Council. I've spent my career at the intersection of technology and management consulting, working with organizations across the country to help solve their toughest challenges, while also supporting the growth and development of multiple consulting firms, helping them improve their long-term performance trajectory. In addition, I serve as a startup investor and advisor, promoting the ideas of entrepreneurs as they work to gain traction in their industry. With so many people gearing up to launch their own businesses and establish their own consulting practices, I want to make available the advice and lessons I've learned along the way. This podcast is made possible by Kelsey Consulting with media support by Class Act Media. For more information, check out our site at theconsultantscouncil.com and kelsey.consulting. That's K-E-L-S-C dot consulting. And now stay tuned for this episode's counseling because the consulting world is full of nuances and the answer is always, it depends. What's possible? Do more. I'm Kelsey Kreveling with the Consultants Council and today we have the privilege of talking with Dr. Ron Jimenez. Dr. Ron is a dual-boarded physician in both pediatrics and clinical informatics, and he is also the founder of Codescribe CPR, an augmented reality intellectual property startup that is changing how people learn how to give life-saving support via education. So with that, Ron and I have actually worked together for years in the consulting space, first joining together while working at Sagacious Consultants uh, and then at Accenture. And then through the years, we've stayed in touch. And most recently, I have joined Codescribe as an investor and advisor. So really thrilled to have him here today to share his background, both from a physician perspective and as a consultant and now most recently as a founder and entrepreneur. He brings a wonderful wealth of information to the table and really excited to dig in with him and explore how he balances all of it, how he knows when to take on risk, how he knows how to handle the stress and strife, and how he knows when it's time to make a change in the course of his career. So. We'll dig in now uh, and really excited to uh, see what comes out of it. All right. Hello, I'm Kelsey Kreveling. Welcome to the Consultants Council podcast uh, and show. So excited for today. We've got Dr. Ron Jimenez joining, founder of Codescribe. Super excited to have Ron here today. Welcome, Ron. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. So with that, Ron and I have actually known each other for years and had the privilege of working together. So very excited to have Ron joining and sharing his perspective, uh, both as a physician, but also at the intersection of consulting and technology and being a founder and being involved in multiple startups through the years. So 
Ron has always been a wonderful mentor and friend for me. Uh, and I actually have the privilege of also serving as an investor in one of his ventures. So just delighted, Ron. Really glad to have you here. Glad to have you getting to share your perspective with the Consultants Council audience. Thanks, Kelsey. It's really nice to be here and to share a little bit of sort of our history, but also a little bit of the perspective of being a physician and consulting. Awesome. All right, so let's kind of dig in. Uh, you've had an interesting path getting to consulting. Uh, do you want to share a bit about how you ended up having sure. exposure to that world? Sure. It actually was kind of a, a side door entry. Um, I was working in the public hospital system here in Silicon Valley and had um, a wonderful relationship with a consulting group then who was working on strategic planning, technical work, um, and advising um, for the health and hospital system. And as we had a business relationship for a couple of years, one of those uh, principals uh, realized that I had some knowledge about information technology of physician and invited me to participate in a consulting engagement uh, with what was then a very groundbreaking uh, technology or the EICU or telemedicine uh, ICU uh, technology, which was really new at the time. And it was a challenge, clearly, but I had all that I needed to, to provide the services that were requested. That is an understanding of what an EICU does and is. And more interestingly, to define what a medical director of an EICU might look like and to produce a job description. And I thought that was really fascinating. So in fact, I was hired as an independent contractor for the company that, that was our consultant at the time. And it was all um, allowed and straightforward. And it was uh, sort of an extra, extra credit work, if you will. Um, and the experience was just exciting. I realized that I could bring together all kinds of experience from both informatics and from clinical medicine to not only connect with other physicians around oh, doing interviews and producing reports that they could you know, understand and, and gain value from, but also provide insights that others on the team couldn't really have because they didn't have the experience of being within clinical medicine. So for example, um, the impact of the information technology systems in the EICU world at that time were, were just proving themselves. And so being able to summarize and distill the scientific literature was really quite, quite interesting. And so those are the kind of ways that I got into consulting, um, like I say, through the side door. And from then on, it was just sort of engagement after engagement and uh, more complex problems to solve and to address. And this is very, very interesting. That's awesome. Now, do you feel like Consulting is a viable path for others who maybe have a medical background, or is absolutely it something like you know it, it was a, a, an interesting path for you to take, but maybe is is not something for everyone. Well, it depends a great deal on the individual, where the physician is in their career path, what their background is, um, and how they see themselves within the work world. One of the main um, uh, challenges to physicians is not seeing themselves as physicians. That is uh, going from the bedside to the business world. It's really tough to do because the, the culture, if you will, of medicine 
um, sort of dictate certain things like uh, writing orders and seeing patients every you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. In the business world, the pace is different and orders are not really followed in the same way unless you're the CEO. Um, and so one has to realize that in the business world, you have leadership skills that you need to acquire, management skills that you need to acquire, and an understanding of how a business works in order to fit into that business and produce value for the organization. It's a different way of being in a professional sense, but it can be very, very enriching um, in the sense that you bring to bear a unique set of skills as a physician, not just in terms of clinical skills, but an understanding of how the business of medicine is done. Um, and when you can take that and apply it to a client's needs, uh, it can be very valuable. Um, you can provide uh, great service to the client by understanding their problem, listening very carefully, um, and not solving it for them, but providing insights and joining them in the solutions um, as they grow, as they produce um, uh, new strategic plans, that sort of thing. So it's not for everybody, but I don't think physicians should count themselves out of the consulting world just because they're physicians. Sure. So there's a lot of consultants that work for, in example, in healthcare, and maybe they have never interacted in that realm before. They're new to it and they're having to learn and maybe they're intimidated by working with physicians. Any advice or recommendations from your perspective on how they can approach those interactions in a positive sure. way? Sure. Working with physicians can be difficult because, uh, as I mentioned, unless physicians step out of the white coat um, and take on a more sort of business leadership position, it can be a little intimidating. But once, once an individual begins to see the doctor as a human being and another colleague in the business world, things can change. Um, my own personal experience was, and, and I have a little bit of an advantage being a pediatrician, no one had to call me Dr. Jimenez. They could just say Dr. Ron. Um, and that was a little bit easier to step into. Also, as a, as a physician, not demanding that sort of recognition, but having a little humility about it and meeting people where they are and where their needs are, particularly if you have a team. If you're a physician uh, consultant leading a team, you have to leave the physician part of it aside for a bit and really concentrate on the team, knowing your team, knowing how they interact, knowing what their capabilities and their um, needs might be. Getting to know them is probably the biggest thing you need to do. And it has nothing to do with medicine. So getting that sort of insight from your team can make a huge difference and allow you to support that team and move them forward. And then applying what you know about medicine, for example, if it's a healthcare engagement, to give them insights to succeed. Wonderful. Thank you. Sure. So I'm curious, any, any interesting stories to share from your road warrior lifestyle and travel uh, where your medical background actually served a very different purpose in consulting? I can think of a few that come to mind where I've relied upon it, but I'm, I'm curious to to hear and uh, share with others what those might be? Well, there's a couple of instances where, where that made sense. Certainly people ask you questions about their health and you you have to be respectful of, of what that question really means, which is, um, you know, I, I, I'm worried about X. So giving informal medical um, advice is part of the, 
I think, part of the job description in some ways. But there's also ways in which um, being a physician had sort of unexpected um, secondary benefits, if you will. Um, I'll, I'll give an example that was kind of an, an unusual one, but it helped out. So when I started in clinical informatics 12, 14 years ago, um, this was a very small number of people who were doing this across the country, maybe a few hundred. And so as I grew into positions where that role of being the, the board certified specialist in the specialty that nobody knew about, I had to do a lot of education. So educating physicians about the role was part of what I had to deal with. At one point, I had a client who um, was really very um, reluctant to move forward with some of the some of the recommendations that had been made. Um, he was a gastroenterologist, a very, very learned colleague, uh, very well respected in the field. And I remember having a very candid conversation with him and saying, you know, if you had a broken bone, you'd go to an orthopedist. You have a broken electronic medical record. I'm that orthopedist. I'm a specialist in electronic medical records. You probably want to trust me. Um, and that sort of candid conversation resulted in a change of mind that was really wonderful to watch, to see a colleague's um, perspective change and to see their horizon broaden professionally. In fact, that particular colleague went on to be a physician champion for the organization. And I counted that as a, as a really uh, significant win because that was one of the things that the organization really needed was not just all physicians to get behind the effort, but for a physician inside their own system to carry the banner and to help other physicians move on to the electronic medical record. Again, it was quite a while ago. And so that was a tough sell for most doctors. Certainly. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, something I think that people who maybe haven't spent much time in consulting or haven't even spent much time in having to really manage others they're not as familiar maybe with the fact that the people side of it is what takes up the bulk of the workload. Uh, you can have great services, you can have a great approach, you can have great products, but in reality, you will spend a considerable portion of the job on managing teams, on actually managing the personal events that may arise. And so that's where I've seen on a number of occasions, having your expertise on the team has been of help. I mean, everything ranging from having team members with mental health crises and how mm -hmm. to interact with them in a supportive manner and way to dealing with injuries in the event of work excursions. I mean, things, things do crop up and arise and those are not always what one would anticipate in the course of normal business functions. But yeah. when you are running teams and when you're interacting with people, inevitably the personal side will blend with the work side. And I know I've always benefited and enjoyed having your support, uh, which is not normally what you're, you're thinking you're going to be called upon when being a physician and a consultant. The, the incidents that you reference are really profound in a certain sense being able to provide guidance to decision-making around those kinds of events is pretty challenging. Um, the, you know, taking care of your teams has many levels to it. 
as a physician, I'm certainly wanting to make sure that the health and well-being of, of my team is, is utmost there. But also carrying it even further, mentoring. Um, I'm pleased to, to you know, be able to share that a number of the folks who I, I mentored in consulting have gone on to medical school. And that's very exciting because they bring a very different perspective to the profession. And that's something that is, a, again, one of those secondary benefits I really didn't think was going to be um, you know, possible. But as people approached me, I remember having um, uh, consulting colleagues you know, coming to me sort of privately and saying, so, so what does it take to get into medical school? And then to watch them ultimately not only make it to med school, make it through med school and get into residency and go out into the sort of specialty of their, of their choice, it's very rewarding. Um, it's an aspect of the job I wasn't anticipating, but was really satisfied to experience. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that that's just something that people just getting into people management have not been fully made aware of that there are so many levels to how you effectively manage teams and take care of them in ways that are necessary and oftentimes rather unexpected. Right. Emergencies are, are that for a reason. Right. Agreed. So speaking of kind of dealing with hardship in times, the consulting industry and really the work world as we know it, our personal worlds, as we know it, for the last many years have been rather challenged. How do you find balance? How do you use the things that you're interested in to persevere? Good question. Um, there's certainly the, the self-care that's really important and that I advocate with, with colleagues. Um, um, it is said that... Um, you know, when you when, when you reach a retirement age, you don't look back and say, gee, I could have spent more time in the office. More often than not, one says I could have spent more time elsewhere with family, with pursuits. Um, striking that balance is challenging, um, certainly as, as I was in full-time practice um, and in various parts of my life, um, choosing to balance my, my personal life with my professional life um, and for example, not becoming a partner in a, in a practice that would have consumed my life. Um, still having the dedication need to, to continue practice, um, making choices is really important. You have to choose to take care of yourself. You have to choose um, to, to nurture relationships and friendships, build community where you can. Um, one of the more interesting challenges over the last few years with the pandemic has been keeping community intact while working remote. And it takes a lot of effort, but it's really worthwhile because once the um, pandemic precautions have eased back, it's much easier to, to get back to that in-person community to, to reinforce that. And community is extremely important. Um, you don't want to be the... the the lone person out there working and, and feeling like everything is on your shoulders. You really do need others. Um, and so part of that is 
expending the energy to keep in touch with people to, to, to again, it might be something as a simple text, um, meeting someone for coffee, meeting someone for lunch. Um, those little things carry on um, and have great value in, in finding that work-life balance. Um, at the same time, it's when you're working, work hard. Um, be, be effective at what you're doing. Don't shortchange yourself, uh, but realize that you don't have to work till one in the morning to, to be successful all the time. Yep. No, those are, those are really, those are great points. Uh, and ones that are sometimes easier to adopt than others. Uh, I know I, I oftentimes struggle with the balance of making short term efforts yeah. take over and in, in pursuit of goals. And so, yeah, being able to, to take that step back and to recalibrate and to remember what really your, your North is, if you will, and what is most right. important to you. And sometimes at a certain time that is career, that is focus because there might be other simulating circumstances going on where that is the, the priority because it's going to then serve other aspects of your life effectively. And then agree. Yeah. Being, being able to, to take that into account and be willing to recalibrate anytime that you, you need to, when you feel like things are getting off course and out of balance. Agreed. So then we had chatted previously about really when do you balance then the risk taking side of it? You've been encountering a fair bit of risk recently with some big transitions and changes. Talk to us about how you. Sure dove into that and knew it was time for those risky pivots? Good question. Um, the risk you describe is, has multiple layers. There is the risk of transitioning from full-time practice to part-time practice, and now actually to being an independent contractor and being a per diem doctor. So I continue to practice medicine. I enjoy it. I love taking care of children. But part of the risk of moving into um, the corporate world is not leaving that behind, but finding a different balance. The risk of, well, let me, let me couch it a slightly different way. I have been doing the work of creating intellectual property for a long, long time only recently has it come to fruition as a patent. So there's a risk of not doing what you're really built to do. I chose to do more of what I think I'm intended to do to bring things into um, the world um, that have benefit uh, to others and create uh, new products, new concepts, new ideas. It's risky on multiple levels there. That is, will you be rejected? Um, I'm, I'm very pleased to say our patent was a fundamental patent and was uh, accepted about a year ago and uh, approved rather in, in the patent office granted. And that was a huge risk on many levels. Um, I think I'd have been crushed if we had been informed that it was uh, already been done, seen it before, but the reality is it's completely new. That was very satisfying, but it was also very risky. Um, as I've been doing this work over the years, I had not been able to really coalesce it into something like a patent. 
And now I get to do that on a regular basis in terms of working on these intellectual property projects. So the risk is, is relative to how you put yourself out there in many ways. I've decided to take the risk to move in this direction because it's been something I've been wanting to do for decades. And I've been very satisfied with, with wearing that risk for now and continuing to, to deal with the challenge of risk um, on many levels, whether it's financial, whether it's intellectual property, whether it's in the marketplace. Um, and I'm up for that challenge. The, the interesting thing is that it doesn't feel um, as risky as it once did, I think because of our, our successes in, in terms of getting the, the patent granted. Now the challenge is uh, convincing others that this is a great idea um, and um, convincing them on many levels, uh, whether that's endorsement, investment, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and even that challenge I'm up for. So the risk, um, I also have to put it in the context of, of the other life I have as a physician. Risk in the business world is different than risk in the clinical world. And I have to keep that perspective. Um, if, if I'm you know, not successful in the, in the business side, um, no individual person is, is necessarily going to suffer. On the medical side, it's a very different thing. So I weigh those risks very differently. And I see risk differently in the business world. Um, I don't have someone's life in my hand. What I have is a business challenge. And that's a very different risk. Um, and it's actually a very welcome one in many ways. Certainly. Well, it puts everything in perspective. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's a great thing for those listening that, you know, if there's things that you're scared of, you can use Ron's, Dr. Ron's barometer here of is, is it that you are just afraid of taking a chance or is it actually life and death? And those are two very different evaluating criteria. Yes. I love that. So. so Ron, you mentioned now you're in the position of needing to convince people what it is that you are creating and the value of it and to generate investment and interest and progress. Convince us. Tell us what it is that you're working towards. Sure. I've had a vision in my head for many, many years of impacting um, the field of CPR as a, an instructor of pediatric advanced life support many years ago. I remember thinking, this could really work better. And so I started down that road of trying to define what would work better. The place I landed last year or a few years ago, and then ultimately in the, in the patent that was granted, was we can do better at training people. We can make, we can make training, or at least the, the practice of CPR and you know, even doing hands-only CPR, we can make that happen anywhere. And that's kind of an audacious you know, statement to make, but we're proving it. We can use, um, and we're in the process of, of developing the software, but uh, in the proof of concept, but the, the ability to be able to teach someone basic CPR skills with just a smartphone is a game changer. And so we've spoken to the American Heart Association um, and others, and the idea is certainly there is great interest, and now we have to prove it. So what we're really up to is being able to let everyone who has a smartphone 
learn how to do CPR. The impact of that is enormous. With over 350,000 out of hospital cardiac arrests every year, and 90% of the time, people don't make it. The ability to impact that and double or triple the survival, if someone is just there to be able to, to administer CPR, that impact is huge. And that's really what we're after. We really want to impact the bottom line of lives saved um, and double or triple that survival rate uh, for out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. We think that if we are successful in not only getting this in the hands of, of healthcare providers who can practice all the time, um, but also the general population and even kids for that matter, we can make a huge impact on saving lives. That's awesome. I love that. That's really uh, what we're about. Privileged to be an investor in CodeScribe. I'm so excited for what it is that you all are working towards with everything that's really been making even the headlines and the news as of late, hopefully it is becoming top of mind for right. the public that we need better solutions for education and that people really do need to know how to administer CPR. It is life saving uh, skill and you never know when you are going to need it. So uh, with that then, what's next for CodeScribe? Well, uh, we're in the midst of producing a, a proof of concept software and moving towards a minimum viable product. That's gonna take a few months, but we're not that far away. The ability to have something um, that people can touch and feel in terms of an app is gonna be huge, not only to investors, but if we can get the uh, minimum viable product out on the app store, we think that will gain a lot of momentum quickly. Um, because it's something that is not really in the marketplaces yet. There are many variations of CPR assist applications, if you will, but none that I've seen so far that use augmented reality to really show you how to do it and to give you the feedback and the practice ability um, anywhere. Um, and you know, we envision being able to use any household items, um, a pillow, a rolled up yoga mat, Anything that will will compress appropriately, like a like a human chest, if you will, um, can be used, and that's as simple as it gets. So, being able to to let you learn and practice and and do CPR in your home, in your office, in your workplace, anywhere, makes a difference, and that's really what we're about. So, the the next steps are really to get that software out there. So, if anyone listening is interested in learning more or getting involved, what's the best way for they them to do that? Um, our website, um, codescribecpr.com, is is out there. It has some information. Certainly, you can get in touch with us through that channel, uh, but you can also email me at ron at codescribecpr.com. I'd be happy to have the conversation with you about what we're doing and how we're going to move forward. Um, but go out and learn CPR. Um, if you would just go out and learn CPR, you'll understand why we're passionate about this, why we want to make it possible for you um, to not have to go to a facility, to not have to go anywhere, but to do it in your own home. Um, and that would be sort of a next step for you. So then any advice or recommendations for others, whether they be physicians or consultants or both, who maybe have an idea and they're wanting to see if it's viable and 
move into their own venture. Yeah. What thoughts do you have for them? So for physicians, I, I run across physicians who often have great ideas, but lack the understanding of how to execute on that. Um, and it's articulating a problem statement and what your solution is addressing. Um, it's a, it's not seeing it through to the next level. I have the, the great benefit of having co-founders who have complementary knowledge. So I have a chief patent officer who's brilliant, um, a chief technology officer who's, you know, a, a wonderful consultant in his own right and has great experience in emergency medical services. So finding the right people to work with once you have an idea is really important. Um, finding the right validation is probably the next step. Making sure that your idea not only is, is unique um, and in the, in the patent parlance, non-obvious um, and innovative is a challenge. You have to do that first. You can't just say, I've got a great idea. You have to really get behind it, research it, study it, find experts who can, who can guide you. If you're not a physician um, and you have such an idea, um, you really do need to, to research it. The patent office has a very um, good uh, patent search system. Google patent works very well also, uh, if you know how to navigate the system. Research it heavily. Make sure that you, you really are looking at something that is unique. Um, and then realize that it's going to take time and money to get uh, a patent through the system. It's, it's a rather an uphill battle for quite a long time. And you have to be patient, but you have to be persistent. Um, and don't lose faith. Um, if you really have an innovative idea, you need to stick by it. You need to support it. You need to nurture it. You need to make sure that you're um, staking out that territory um, and then running with it. Um, don't downplay your own ideas. Um, we need more ideas. Um, it is not the case that everything has been invented. There is plenty of space for new ideas and invention. The, the challenging part is getting it past um, um, the idea phase. And the, that's a great idea sort of conversation to doing something about it and filing a patent and finding investors. And that's the hard part. Yep. That, the motivation to continue, we can all come up with lots of good ideas, but being able to stick with it and see it through, that is certainly admirable. Appreciate that. Wonderful. Well, Ron, uh, as you kind of look out over the span of your career and all of the different roles that you've taken on and the different experiences that have taken you many places, both physically and metaphysically, I guess. Uh, <laughs> any final kind of thought, parting thoughts or uh, advice that you would lend to sure. this consulting audience? Yes. Um, be aware of your trajectory. That's an odd sentence to bring together. But when I look at the trajectory of my career, it really would not have been visible to me from any point along the way, except that I knew I had to do the next thing. So when I was in medical school and I needed a specialty, I knew the next thing was going to be pediatrics. When I finished my residency, I discovered product design. And so I knew that creating new things was going to be the next thing. So over time, 
um, I applied to the Stanford product design program and was rejected. And that sent me in the direction of clinical informatics at the time. That trajectory was completely unknown to me. I actually got a chance to go back and thank David Kelly for rejecting me from the program because it sent me off in the direction of clinical informatics, which was a brand new specialty at the time. So failure is not always the end. Failure is an opportunity to find a new path. And that's really what my trajectory was about, was finding new paths. As I moved forward and got board certified in pediatrics and clinical informatics, being a consultant was the next thing. Once I had worked in the consulting world for a few years, um, um, actually before I got to consulting, I worked in the academic world and was a medical informatics director at a large university, uh, hospital, hospital center university. The next thing for me was starting my own company. And starting CodeScribe has been incredibly satisfying. Working with everybody, yourself included, has been um, just been a, a very enjoyable part of my trajectory. And we hope successful, both financially as well as in terms of impacting survival. Um, being aware of what the next thing is, is really important. So listen for what the next thing is, look around for what the next thing is, and be open to what the next thing is. I love that. Things rarely come the way we expect them to. Our path is not typically going to be linear and direct. Uh, our trajectory may feel like it's going this way and then things arrive and crop up and take us in a completely different direction that actually is the one we're meant to be on. Uh, and what, I, what I've always found interesting is how Things that feel disparate at the time that they're occurring, relationships, yep. contacts, connections, experiences that you're having, they don't feel like they go together. But as you get the benefit of longitudinal time, it becomes evident how they've all actually been beneficial because they've A, molded you into who you're meant to be for whatever it is that you're taking on. But they also bring a lot of opportunity that maybe would not have happened otherwise. It's, it's fascinating to get to, to see how all those different strings come together uh, over the course of time. Very true. Very true. Well said um, and true for my experience as well. I would have never guessed that I would have arrived where I am now. I would have never thought that would be the case, but I'm glad to be here. Right. Certainly. Well, Ron, Dr. Ron, thank you so much for your time today. So glad to have you on the podcast and in the session. Uh, really excited for what CodeScribe is working towards. Uh, it's always been a privilege to get to work with you and spend time with you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for lending your skill set, expertise, and guidance. It is much appreciated. It's been a pleasure, Kelsey. Thank you. Well, thank you to Dr. Ron Jimenez for joining us today. So excited for that conversation. It's always fun getting to talk with Dr. Ron. He just has such a wealth of information and he also provides quite a lot of levity. I always appreciate his perspective because he is so thoughtful and considerate with how he approaches decision-making, how he approaches interactions, 
and how he elects to move forward. Uh, he has always served as a wonderful mentor and advisor for me personally uh, as I've gone through and built my career. Uh, and as a result, I love what he was able to share here today with you all. I think there's a lot of wonderful lessons and opportunities to really take a look at and examine how you can leverage some of his experiences as you work to navigate your own. So with that, thank you so much. Hope you have a delightful and wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to the Consultants Council. And that's a wrap on this episode of the Consultants Council. Thank you so much for your interest and engagement. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about by writing in to info at theconsultantscouncil.com. Thanks to Kelsey Consulting for sponsoring this podcast and to Class Act Media for the media support. And with that, cheers and all my best. Have a great week. And remember, what's possible? Do more.